As we walk into the message, uh, once again, we're going to be dealing with prayer. Uh, it's been a powerful series for my own life and my own heart in so many ways. But before we walk into the message, let's take some time and pray. Now, as I pray, you pray as well. Maybe grab the hand of a spouse or uh, someone close to you and just pray. Ask God, ask God to just speak to us today, to go past all of our busyness, to go past all of the, all the activities and the chaos of life. And for this time that God would speak to us, that we would have hearts prepared, hearts ready to hear. So let's pray. Father God, we do come before you. And God, I must confess, we are a needy people. Even as we just talked about the advent of Christ and this advent wreath and his coming, Father, he came because we needed to be rescued. We had no hope. We were in the slavery and the bondage of sin and death, and there was nothing we could do about it, oh God. And as much as we needed you in our salvation, Father, we need you every day in our life. For God, you demonstrated your love towards us. You demonstrated your glory and your majesty and your all-powerfulness. You demonstrated your grace and your mercy towards us. And oh God, we need you. We are helpless without you. Father, let us not be deceived in a world of self-sufficiency that somehow we think, oh God, you're something we add or tack on to life, but God, that we would understand that you're everything, that there is no life without you. There is no hope without you. Can we really understand, oh God, what is love without you? Without seeing your demonstration, Father, of, of giving, of grace, and of mercy, how would we know how to show grace and mercy? And so, oh God, we need you today. Father, I ask that your spirit moves among us and that you would speak to our hearts and our minds. And Father, that your spirit would stir up in our hearts a love and a thirst for you and for your word. That, Father, we may see you work in mighty ways in our lives. Father, I just ask that you would not keep my own shortcomings, my own sins and iniquities, my own inabilities, God. You would not keep them from the proclamation of your word today. That it would not hinder your spirit, Father, from moving among us, your people. But, oh God, may you move among us, for we need you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So this series I've been doing, this is the fifth week, and this will be the final week that we'll be together. Uh, pray like this. Uh, we started five weeks ago, and today the, the, the key spiritual marker, the prayer marker that we're going to be using is, is abide. We're going to be talking about abiding today. Uh, that's a fun word to, to talk about because it means that we have to kind of stay somewhere and that's kind of important for us to understand in our spiritual walks. Um, as we get started, I, I, I said it a minute ago and I'll probably say it a couple of times in this message. Um, I don't know any other series that I've ever done that's had a greater impact on my own heart and my own life than this series. 
And I pray that, I want that for, you, for me as well as for you. And I pray that God speaks and moves in your heart in such a way that today and, and these, these weeks that we've spent on prayer would be moving and stirring in your heart. I wanna start with some quotes that I find. I love some of the quotes I've, I've read about prayer. And the first one is Charles Spurgeon. Uh, I'll probably quote him a couple of times. Spurgeon is, a, is a, an amazing, amazing guy. And Spurgeon said, my own soul's conviction is that prayer is the grandest in the entire universe. Think about that. Spurgeon was saying that when he thinks about prayer, his conviction is that of all the things in the universe, it's the most important. It's the most important. Let that sink in. I, I, even as I rig these, I, I was asking myself, wow, do I believe that? Do I grasp that? I'm not sure that I do yet. I'm still growing in it and I'm praying, God, let me have that conviction that more than anything else, I mean, it's prayer that's really the grandest. This second quote is Ian Bounds. And he says, the Holy Spirit does not flow through methods, but through people. He does not come on machinery, but on people. He does not anoint plans, but people, people of prayer. And, and that was really spoke to me because so many times we, we come up with these grand plans or these methods and, and we think, oh, if we get this or if we get that or if this is happening or that happens, then all these things will take place. But really the Holy Spirit moves and it's one of the things we're gonna see today as we talk about abiding the Holy Spirit moves through people and moves through God's people who are praying. The power in our lives is prayer. It's, it, if you're not praying, the other things that are going on that are so important to our spiritual walks and life, they seem to, to kind of fizzle where they become something that's not, not exactly in tune. We can have great Bible study. We can have all these different things, but if we don't have prayer, how is the spirit going to move? In fact, in the, third, the third, uh, third one, and I think I shared this the first week I started this series, and I think it's appropriate that I share it on the last, last message of this series. Prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is, important word in this quote, prayer is the greater work. We don't pray so that we can be ready for something. We don't pray so that just something will happen. But the great work of our lives is prayer. That's the great work of our lives. And as I said, I really was challenged by some of these quotes as I began to think about them and go, wow, do I believe that? Do you believe that? I don't know that I've ever been so challenged by a series in my own personal life. The, the call to prayer is what I feel. I feel God is just calling me to prayer. It's something that's on my mind all the time. That God is calling me to prayer. I think God is calling us to prayer as his people. In fact, Martin Luther said that prayer is like oxygen to the spiritual life. Without it, you die. If you're not breathing this morning, we're running you off to the hospital, right? Because it's, it's absolutely necessary for life. Well, just as much as that's true in physical life, it's true spiritually. That, that prayer is like oxygen to us. And if we're not praying, we're dying. 
And I think that's really important that we get into our lives, that we understand the absolute importance that prayer is. More than, more than our programs, more than great teaching, more than our, the intricacies of our theology, we're, we're giving to the poor, we're, our community outreaches, and all these activities that we do, more than all of those, it's prayer. Because if we don't have prayer, it's kind of like if I went out here and I got a brand new car and I said, hey, y'all, come out and look at it. And it's a beautiful brand new car. I mean, it's, a, it's, 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 it's amazing. Got a great paint job, has great wheels. You open the inside, the interior's leather. It's got all the, all the fashions and the things that you want in a car and the, the technology. And, and if you're like me, you're gonna go, hey, let's lift up this hood. I wanna see this motor because if this car looks like this, it's gotta be a great motor. And you lift up the hood and there's no motor. The source, the fuel, the thing that drives that car isn't there. And that's what it's like for us to operate without prayer. We can have all the shiny stuff, but if we're not praying, we're missing out on the source of prayer. You see, in order for us to pray prayers that are powerful, whereby God moves, we need to understand the source of prayer. In fact, we don't just need, we categorically have to understand the importance of the source to our prayers. If you don't understand the source, you cannot pray prayers that are powerful. Just like that car can be all beautiful and maxed out, but it cannot move without a motor. We can have all that, the shiny stuff of Christianity, but if we're not praying, we're not seeing God moving. We have to be about prayer. And that's why this series has so much shaken me. It has moved me out of my seat. It is, it is causing me to, to think about prayer. I mean, there's things that I'm catching myself and I'm doing and I go, man, I didn't even, I didn't even ask God about that. Why? Because I, I, I can do it. I, I can make it happen. Well, that's great, you can make it happen, you can make a beautiful car, but without prayer, it's impossible to see it move. It's impossible to see. And that's really the whole point of this passage today. We're in John chapter 15, the Gospel of John, chapter 15, and we're gonna be looking, believe it or not, at just one verse today. John chapter 15, and we'll be looking at verse seven. And we're gonna see from verse seven that the source of prayer, that source, that fuel is God's son. It's God's son. In John chapter 15 and verse seven, it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that an amazing verse? I mean, it's just full of power and, and just amazing to me. I have, I've never gotten more excited about a verse. I think uh, this has just been lighting me up this week. That if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. It's pretty incredible, don't it? Every one of us in this room wants to see powerful prayers. Every one of us in this room believes that prayer is important. Every one of us. So when we read this passage, this verse, 
It becomes so intimate for us because we want these things that are being mentioned here. We, we love the part, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. We love that part. So what's he saying here? When he says in verse seven in the very first word, if, it's a condition. Jesus putting a condition on how prayers are to go up. Think about that. He's putting a condition. You mean God is making this conditional? Yeah, he is. God makes a lot of things conditional. Like, can you experience the freedom from sin and death without faith? Can, can, you, can you experience the goodness of God without listening to his word? I don't believe you can. And when you talk about powerful prayer, prayer that, that whereby God moves and does the incredible, you have to understand initially there's a condition. If you abide in me. Jesus is saying, if you abide, if you stay, if you remain, if you make your abode, you, you kind of live there in me. Whereby Jesus becomes the source of your life. Not just the source of prayer, but the source of your life. That you begin to understand the, the working of God's grace, the working of, of his mercy in our lives. Whereby he set us free from death and from sin. We talked about it over there in those candles. That he set us free, that we're no longer con uh, condemned, we're no longer bound in bondage to sin and death, but that he has set us free that we might live unto Christ. He's our source to make that happen. That if I'm gonna live as a believer in Christ Jesus, I'm gonna understand that God is changing me. He's moving me away from that life. He's the source of that life. That's my life. In fact, it tells us in Colossians chapter three that, that Christ, who is our life, that we're hidden in him, that when he is revealed, we will be revealed with him. So much so that while the world may pass judgment on me as a Christian, I will wait until my Lord and my Savior is revealed and I will be revealed with him because he is my life. My life is all about Jesus. Now I fall and I fall hard many times, right? And I remind myself that's not who I am anymore. That Jesus has redeemed me, Jesus has delivered me, has set me free and I go, that's not who I am anymore and I confess that to God I repent of that, I turn from that, and I walk in the righteousness of what he has created me to be. He's my source of everything that I am in my life. He is the source in order to understand his power and his strength working in me and the power of him abiding in me. I must understand that. In fact, I think one of the best verses that I see in scripture is Galatians chapter two, verse 20. Look what he says. He says, I have been crucified. This is Apostle Paul writing. I have been crucified. I've identified with the death of Christ. I've crucified that old man. I've crucified that old way of life. I acknowledge that's not who I am anymore. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but what? Christ who lives in me. I no longer live because when I live for myself, you know what I produce? Ugliness. Ugliness. But when Christ lives in me, he begins to transform me. And things that were hard for me to produce in my flesh 
that I am, were impossible for me to produce, he now produces in me because he lives in me. He is the source of my life. And the life I now live in the flesh, I still fight this body of sin. I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. He's the source of my life. If I abide in him, if I remain in him, he's my source. And to illustrate that, Jesus in chapter 15, he uses this picture of vine and branches. Now, I cannot grow anything. I'll tell you that right now. I remember when I was in college or somewhere in there, I bought this huge plant with all these big ears, right? I love that plant. I paid a lot of money for it because I knew I couldn't start with a small one and grow it that big. I just couldn't grow things, right? But I figured if it, if it was that big, it would survive. The problem was this, over time, a leaf would drop off and eventually it just died. I just killed plants. Now, my wife doesn't kill plants. She grows plants and she wants to do gardening. And you start looking at it and you start watching these, these plants grow and there's a vine and then there's branches that kind of branch off on that. And then on the end of the branch is the fruit, right? Now, what happens if I just snap off a branch? Does it continue to produce fruit? Because everything that that plant needs for it to grow and to, to, to produce fruit comes through the vine and the vine supplies the fruit through the branch that the, that the fruit might be produced. See, when Jesus is talking about the vine and the branch and that, that the branch is connected or attached to the vine, he's talking about our relationship with him. Jesus is the vine, we're the branches. And so the picture is of our relationship with Christ. We think that the power of what we do is our activity. We just gotta do more. Well, we gotta do this and we gotta do this and then we'll see people and we gotta do this, we gotta do that. No, it's not that. It's the power of our lives is the source, which is our relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, when a branch is broken off from the vine, it, it is, has a 0% chance of producing fruit. Think about that, 0%. But when it's attached, it has a 100% chance. Well, it has a greater chance. My plants don't have a chance. I mean, let's put it that way. Okay, but it, but, it, but it has a chance to grow fruit, right? It's the same thing in our lives, in our Christian lives. If we're unattached, if we're not abiding in Christ, guess what? We have a 0% chance of producing fruit. We may produce some stuff that looks pretty good, but we have a 0% chance of producing any true, real spiritual fruit. We have 0%. Because the only way that we can produce fruit is if we're attached to him. And it's such a powerful, powerful, powerful truth here. As we talks about the, the branch abiding, we're us abiding in Christ and that that power flowing through, it's the same picture. It's the same picture that as the power of Christ, as he becomes our source, we begin to produce fruit. Do you realize this? Think about this for a second. This is something that just blew me away when I thought about this. Think about this. Follow me for a second. That is the power of God, the power when we're abiding in Christ, if it, it flows through us to produce amazing fruit. Now, here's something. It is impossible to produce 
fruit without Christ. It's impossible. And we have to be abide. We have to be attached. Spurgeon said this about abiding. He said to, to abide is to live Christ, to be in Christ, by Christ, for Christ, and to Christ. Why do you think Jesus prayed so much? Why do you think you see him? We see him all through the scriptures, pulling away, praying all night, pulling away from the disciples to pray. Why do you think he was doing that? To abide in the Father, to, to hear what the Father had to say, to be led by the Father, to be seeking him. How many times in the Gospel of John did Jesus say, what I hear the Father say, I say. What I see the Father do, I do. Jesus was our example. We're to be abiding in Christ doing the same thing. Why do you think he prayed so much? Why do you think it is so important that we, as God's people, pray? And here's how we pray. We have a meeting, right? And we do a quick, yay God, boo devil prayer. And then we get into the meeting. Why? Because we think somehow in all of that meeting, all that activity, that's where the power is. Well, that's, that's, we got it all mixed up. It's the other way. We need to be praying, oh God, I need you. I absolutely need you, oh God. Give me wisdom. Give me insight. God, I need your guidance. I need to hear from you. God, speak to us. And what we, we should be praying for 45 minutes and doing 15 minutes of business. And what we do is we get bored if that prayer goes too long, don't we? because we don't see the power of prayer. We don't have the faith to believe that God is wanting to work through us because we're not abiding in Christ. We're not allowing him to be the source of our life. You see, when we're abiding in Christ, we experience his source. And you know what happens with that vine is then we have the, the possibility of doing the impossible. When we're unattached from the vine, we can't do the impossibilities. But when we're attached to him, we can do the impossible. Why? Because we're attached to the one who can do all things. We don't pray like that, do we? We pray feeble prayers. Because we don't understand that we're praying, we're attached, we're abiding ourselves to the one who is able to do all things. No wonder Jesus said in John chapter 14, I think it was verse 12, he said, greater things will you do. Greater things will you do. Why? Because when we're attached, when God's people are attached to the vine and we begin to pray because he's our source, what is the impossibilities that can happen? I mean, do you believe that God can bring a revival in Mansfield, Texas? I don't think we do. You know why I don't think we do? Because we don't pray for it. Why do you think we, why do we keep seeing our culture and our society and we gripe about it and we complain about it? We use the word of God and we judge it, but we don't pray for it because we don't believe in an impossible God who can change it. Somehow we think it's gonna be changed in other ways in our activities. We get to the polls, we get to this. And all those things are important, just like great teaching is important, just like theology is important. But without prayer, it's that empty car, that car with a no motor, there's no source, it's not able to move. 
If we're not praying for revival, how do we expect revival to happen? If we're not praying that God would move among his people, that he would shake us out of his seats, why do we think it would even happen? Our young people, why don't you pray for your school and for your revival at school? Do you think it can happen? Absolutely. You think your neighbor could come to Christ? You think homes can be restored? You think relationships can be mended? Absolutely. Because when we're attached to the God who can do all things, the impossibility becomes possible. And the reason we don't pray those impossible prayers is because we are not attached and we don't believe he can do it. Oh, we'll say it because we know theologically, we head knowledge, we know it to be true, but in our behavior, we don't pray it. Because in deep down inside, we are afraid to step out and say this. In fact, I'm afraid to even say this stuff to you this morning. Some of you are gonna take offense to this. Some of you are gonna walk out of here and all oh, lingle again, you know? But it's true. This is an amen. It's true. It is true that when we're attached to the vine, the impossible becomes possible. And I'm tired of praying prayers that are impossible, that are just, we think are impossible. I wanna pray prayers of possibility. I wanna pray prayers because I'm attached to the source, to his son, God's son, because prayer is everything. It's not a chore, it is everything. Spurgeon said prayer, power in prayer is very much the gauge of our spiritual condition. You can gauge your spiritual condition by the prayers you pray. Think about that. Man, that challenges me. Challenges me to the core. I pray it challenges you as well. That God would be calling us to prayer. We don't have to be shameful. This is God calling us by his word. Calling us to pray. Calling us to ask the impossible. Calling us to do the incredible through prayer. You see, the source of prayer is God's son, but the alignment of prayer is God's word. Now catch what he says. If you abide in me and, oh, here's another condition. Here's God putting a condition. This is Jesus saying, if you wanna have powerful prayers where you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you, here's a condition. You abide in me and my words abide in you. My words abide in you. When you, talk about, when you talk about God's word and prayer, those are the two of the greatest um, weapons for our spiritual lives and spiritual warfare that we can have. I think we looked at it one of the weeks past, but I wanna look at it again, Ephesians chapter six, verses 17 and 18, if you will. Chapter six, Ephesians, there you go. It says, the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. When we, talk about, when we talk about a source, we talk about knowing Christ, this word is important for us. This word is our sword. It's how we defend ourselves in a world of chaos, in a world where people are changing what it says. This is what gives us the alignment to understand how we ought to pray. And if we do not have this in our lives, how can we be prepared for battle? 
How can you survive spiritually without this? This is God's word. It's our sword. It's, it's what gives us direction. It's our compass. It's our map. It cleanses us through the reading of it to understand what righteousness is. It purifies us. It is a food for our soul. It is everything. The ministry that you have as a child of God can be summed up. Every one of you, by the way, have a ministry. Ministry isn't just for guys that are in full-time ministry. Please get that out of your head. Every one of you have a ministry, and there's two things every one of you need to be doing. Number one, the word of God. Number two, praying. Look what it says. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. God's word and, and, and prayer go hand in hand. They go together. Because as I abide in Christ, as I keep to my source, I need his words that align me with the things of God so that I might know how I ought to pray. That I might know what the prayers, the prayers that I'm to be praying. It's important. When you abide in Christ, his word abides in you. You are hearing Christ. You are living Christ. You are led by Christ. Therefore, you will pray prayers that are appropriate to God. You can't, you, can't, you can't do the opposite. You, you can't say, well, I'm not sure about this. And then come over here and say, I'm abiding with God. I'm abiding in Christ. That is theologically impossible. It is theologically impossible. You can't move away from God's word and say, oh, I'm all good with God. I'm abiding in Christ. You can't do it. It is theologically impossible to do it. And those who would do it are deceived. Because Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, that compass, that map, that food for the soul, those things that we need to know how to pray, how we ought to pray to our God, we find it in the word. The word of God moves us, it stirs us. As we abide in him and his words abide in us, it moves us and it stirs us. Think with me for a moment. This is the fifth week I've been talking about prayer. I have been so stirred in prayer. I mean, been moved. I've heard many of you, many of you have come to me and said, Greg, shared your different testimonies of just how these messages have driven you in different ways. Well, how did that happen? How did that happen? Well, think about it. What have we been doing for five weeks? We've been right here in God's word. In fact, you realize I've chosen passages. I mean, there's tons of passages on prayer. Some of my favorite passages on prayer I didn't even deal with in this, in this series. Did you know that? But every passage I chose, I really chose passages where Jesus was teaching about prayer, like the Lord's Prayer so that we would learn about, about faith, that we would learn about worship, that we would learn to have kingdom-minded kingdom prayers, that we would learn to be dependent on him, that we would learn about the spiritual warfare we were in. We looked at the unjust judge, the parable that Jesus taught, so we would learn about persistence in prayer. 
And today we're looking at Jesus speaking, talking in the context of the vine and the branches that we would abide in him and his words would abide in us. And if we abide, we would understand the power of prayer. The stirring that's happening is because as we pray, as we pray through the word of God, and as the word of God becomes part of our lives and it becomes so intimate that we abide there, that we begin to learn how we ought to pray. That when we begin to pray his word, I have prayed over passages for years, some of them, asking God, what does this mean in my life? What does it mean? As we begin to pray over his word, as his word becomes abiding in us, then we connect ourselves to the source of powerful prayer. Without the source of powerful prayer, how can we pray? How can we pray in a way that God would move? When we are abiding in him and his words are abiding in us, then, then that, that moment of just quick praying, well, God, man, I need this. I need you to do that. And we haven't even talked to him in years. Where we just add God on and we throw out all of a sudden, God, I need, I, man, you know, maybe we're a student. I need an A on a test, oh God. But we didn't, we, didn't, we didn't talk to him all week long. See, when we're abiding in him and his words are abiding in us, the impossible becomes possible. And all of a sudden we begin to pray as his word aligns us up, we begin to pray for the things that God desires for us. You see, the source of prayer is God's son. The word of God keeps us aligned in prayer, but the results of abiding is that God moves. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, the conservatives in here, they're going, okay, Greg, be really careful here. I mean, let's not get too crazy about asking, right? We gotta be really careful here. And then there's others that are taking this out of context and out of the way Jesus meant. Oh yeah, hey, ask whatever I want. God, I need a new car. Where's my car? That's not, the, that's not what Jesus is talking about here. It's not a asking for selfish gain for the things I want because then Jesus just becomes a little genie in a bottle and we rub the bottle and the bottle comes out. Hey, Jesus, we need da-da-da-da-da. Can you get that please going? Well, who's God there? I don't serve a God that takes advice from me. I hope he doesn't take advice from me. I serve a God who laid out the universe in the palm of, his, palm of his hand. He decided something and he spoke it and it came into being. He said, let there be light and there was light. I serve a God who's all powerful from everlasting to everlasting, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He gets to dictate. I'm the servant. Ask whatever you wish, it's powerful. It's powerful. You see, the key to God answering prayers is praying prayers according to his will, to his desires. It's when we abide and we think like Jesus, we pray like Jesus. When we begin to abide in Christ, we are abiding in him. When we align ourselves with the word of God because the word of God is abiding in us, then we begin to pray for things. The desires of God really becomes our desires. We begin to see what God is doing in this world. We begin to see what God is intending in this world and we begin to pray in those things. Again, praying for our revival in our community. You think God wants to see our community come to Christ? Yes, say that louder, yes. 
Do you think God wants to see your school, the kids in your school come to Christ? Absolutely. So we need to pray. Those are prayers in line with God. We need to pray about those things and God will begin to show. Do you think God wants to do a work in me as he changes me and makes me more like Jesus? Absolutely, and I pray, oh God, please keep me from falling again. Let me quit calling those other drivers idiots, right? <laughs> Real simple. We begin to pray the way that God wants us to pray. And I really believe, dear people of God, right now God is calling us at NBC to a greater level of prayer. That he's calling us to pray. Why? Because God is ready to move. God wants to answer our prayers. God wants to move in a, among his people. He wants to see the gospel advance. He wants to see more disciples made. He wants to see homes healed. He wants to see relationships healed. God wants to do those things. Well, why aren't we as his people praying those things? We have a handful, not even a handful, maybe a couple people to get together every week between the services and pray. Did you know that? I think there's two in there right now. Every week they get together and they pray. They pray for God's teaching and God's revival in this church. Well, why aren't we all coming in early before this service? Why don't we, why don't we come up here and sit on the front rows of the seats and just pray? We don't, regardless of what's going on out there, just pray, God, move in us. Let us not be comfortable in our chairs any longer. Let us not be comfortable in this Christianity that just shows up once a week. But that, oh God, we would tap into the source that we would abide in Christ, that his words would abide in us and we would ask for these things because we know that's your desire. Oh God, will you move among us? God, we need you. We need you, oh God. Give us wisdom, give us persistence, give us those things that we need to depend on you, God. May we pray. Don't be quiet. Amen. Thank you. We need to be praying. Man, I, I prayed over this, this series and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. There's part of me sometimes when I preach, I walk away and I go, God, what difference does it make? What difference does it make? You've heard me say that, haven't you, Matt? Maybe I should just go build a garden somewhere. That's what my wife wants to do, right? Maybe I just, why do I keep, why do I keep doing this? Because I believe in an almighty God who can move and do the impossible. The impossible becomes possible if we will just pray. Ask whatever you wish. Well, how much should we ask for? How much should we ask for? Well, how much faith do you have? Are you abiding in Christ? Is his words abiding in you? Well, what do you want to ask for? That our church would be revived? That's a good prayer. That God's people would move? Is that possible? That my neighbor may be shaken and know of the goodness of God? that my community would be transformed because of the power of the gospel? Are those possible? Absolutely. Well, what, how much faith do you have? You see, when you abide in Christ and his word abides in you, then you are connected to the God who can do all things. The possibility of the impossible becomes 
a possibility, right? We just need to ask. We need to ask. We need to pray. We need to pray. Is God calling you to a greater level of prayer? Is he? Do you believe? Are you willing to abide in him? And his words abide in you? Let's pray. Father, um, Father, we're your people. And we are absolutely dependent. We are absolutely dependent on you. And Father God, I'm just going to be honest, man. You've heard my prayers for years that I would pray that God, you would move in such a way that even the unbeliever would give you glory because they knew it was you. And Father, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I believe it's stronger right now than I ever have in my life that the key to that is prayer. God, I ask that you forgive me, God. You forgive me personally for the times that I've walked away from prayer, when I've allowed my faith to to wane, when I've quit believing and I I didn't pray. But oh God, may today you stir among us. May you stir my heart, oh God, that I would not be comfortable in a chair, that I wouldn't live in a comfortable Christianity that kind of shows up on Sunday, but that, oh God, every day I would draw from the source, I would draw from Christ, that I would abide in him. God, help me to do that every day. Help us, God. I want that for the whole body of Christ here at Mansfield Bible. Help us to abide that your words may be abiding in us, that we might know how we ought to pray. And then God, may we not be afraid, may we not be weak in faith to ask, that we would ask of you, God, that we would ask. I ask this morning, God, that your spirit would move among each and every one of us today, that you would stir up in our hearts. You would stir us up. Some may be sitting here and going, gosh, I'm, is, this, is this about over? God, I pray, I pray you move in their hearts, that you'd break down their mind, that they would understand the importance of the words we just talked about today. That, God, you would move among us, your people, that you would shake the very being of our souls, that we know that unless we pray, we are gonna die. We are just going to go through this world and at the end of the world, end of our lives, we're just going to have accomplished all these things, but in, in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, nobody's going to know about it. But when we tap into you, then it's for all eternity. Let us understand the eternal value of our lives and our relationship with you, oh God. We are your people. You do with us as you please, oh Father. And we ask, I ask, that you would move among us. In Jesus' name, amen.